So thankful for the place called Glory Land. When we'll enter in, and we sing about it a lot this morning, when we step inside the gate, we'll begin to take in all of those joys and all of those, uh, all of our uh, days living in faith will then be made sight. And we'll catch a glimpse. I don't know about you, but every once in a while I'll catch a glimpse of what it is in Glory Land. Every once in a while we'll catch a glimpse of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every once in a while, we'll catch a glimpse of that land that is fairer than day. I don't know what it's actually going to look like. I know we've got it built up in our minds, but I've said this a lot. I promise you one thing. Nobody's going to be disappointed when we get there. But everything will be right in front of us. And and, uh, there'll be no need for a preacher there. Because all the redeemed will be there. And there'll be nobody that enters in that maketh a lie or worketh any kind of sin. But it will be a place for the redeemed. Those who have been bought with a price. Well, if you're here this morning and you've been bought with a price, you're a blessed man. The world looks at blessings different than God looks at them. The world looks at blessings with a nice home and cars and clothes and, and whatever your hearts desire. But David in the book of Psalms said, Blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Blessed is the man whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. I'm a blessed man this morning. My iniquities have been forgiven and my sins have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And I know uh, we were listening to a, a song on the way down this morning and it talked about it talked about what a way to leave this earth. And, and it was talking about how we've got a promise that angels will carry us home. And, and he said, what a way that we're going to leave this earth. We're going to leave it in the company of angels. Well, what a grand and glorious thought that is this morning. I'm glad, as Brother Danny said this morning, I'm glad I've been saved. Uh, There's a lot of things that I don't have reason to be uh, proud or glad of, but one thing I am, I'm a child of the King. And uh, the old song says, How can we stand and make that claim to say that my father is the King? He said, I'll have to take you to an altar where it happened. And that's where it happened to me at an altar at a little church in the country a long time ago. Somebody asked me last night, Brother Benji, how long have you been preaching? And if I live till February, I'll be tried to do this 25 years. Brother Reagan Riddle said last night that a preacher friend of his asked him, and I'll ask you, he said, do you know why I don't preach any better than I do? And he said, why is that, brother? And he said, because I can't. And I, boy, that struck a chord with me. And that's the truth. I can't preach. But every once in a while, the Lord will lay His hand upon us. And every once in a while, He'll give us something to say. And so, I don't know, there may be more reading than preaching, but I'll give you my best this morning and leave it to the hands of the Lord. Is anything on your heart before we go any further? I'm going to read in two places, and it is a lot of reading. I'll forewarn you of that. Uh, but just bear with us. Uh, it oughtn't to grieve you to have to read the Word of the Lord. And uh, it ought to be something we enjoy doing. But there is a lot of reading, more than I would usually like at, at church. But I'll ask you to turn to Second Samuel chapter 19 and then John chapter 21. 2 Samuel 19 and then John 21. And I do desire a great interest in your prayers this morning. It's a beautiful day to serve the Lord. If all it seems is in the air... And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's been a, 
long hot summer in a lot of ways. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, it's always, no matter what the weather's like outside, it's, it's good to come in and have a place set aside in this sanctuary with heat and air conditioning in and out of the weather and, and we can worship the Lord. We ought to be thankful for that more than we are. And uh, I'm thankful all of you are here. Second Samuel chapter 19, verse 24. And it says, And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, and had neither dressed his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day that the king departed until the day that he came again in peace. And it came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest thou not with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me, for thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass, that I may ride thereon and go to the king, because thy servant is lame. And he hath slandered thy servant unto my lord the king. But my lord the king is as an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that it eat at thine own table? What right, therefore, have I yet to cry any more unto the king? And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of the matters? I have said, Thou and Ziba divide the land. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, Yea, let him take all, for as much as my lord the king has come again in peace to his own house. Now I ask you to turn to John 21. Keep that scripture in the back of your mind. John 21, and we're probably going to read the chapter. We'll start at the first verse. Uh, this is uh, after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected from the dead. And it says, And after these things, Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed He Himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathan uh, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of His disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye now have caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty-three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Then Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth him and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? 
He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whether thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Now stop there. <clears throat> this uh, in John is familiar scripture, knowing that knowing that it was after that Jesus had been crucified, and uh, knowing that uh, knowing that uh, uh, before that Peter was pretty sure of himself. Uh, pretty sure of himself that he he had made the statement just uh, uh, just a few days prior uh, the night that they took Jesus and, and arrested him. Uh, Peter had been so sure and so confident uh, that he loved the Lord. He said, "I'm ready to go with you into death." In other words, if it needs be, I'll die with you. But he said, "Lord, I'll never deny you." And, and I believe he meant every word when he said that. I believe Peter really that believed that. And I believe Peter loved the Lord. And, and uh, But Jesus said, Peter, uh, this night the cock shall not crow twice before you deny me thrice. In other words, before the sun rises, Peter, uh, you are going to deny me three times. Uh, that had to take Peter aback. Uh, uh, Peter was sure and confident uh, that he was ready, and I believe he was. Uh, I believe he had holy boldness in that time. Uh, but when the time came and they arrested Jesus, uh, uh, the Bible says Peter actually uh, did draw his sword and tried to defend his Lord and, and cut off an ear of one of those servants. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus picked up the ear and touched it back on, and he healed that man, and he told his disciples, Suffer this to be so. And the Bible says John and Peter have followed Jesus. They, they wondered where they were going to take their Lord. And, and so they followed Him. And, and the Bible says John knew the place. And, and they let John in. He knew the keepers of the gate. And John went down and talked to him. And he talked to him, and then they let Peter in at John's word. And the Bible says that, uh, that as soon as they let Peter in, uh, Jesus, uh, one of those looked upon Peter and he said, you were with Jesus. And Peter said, no, I wasn't. I don't know what you're talking about. That was the first denial. A few minutes later, Peter warmed himself at the fire. And they said, another one said, you were with him. And Peter said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know that man. I don't know Jesus. That was the second time. A little later on, somebody said to Peter, your speech betrayeth you. I know you're a Galilean because of how you talk. And Peter cursed. And he said, I don't know that man. And the Bible says that was the third time. And as that happened, the Bible says in Luke's Gospel uh, that Peter heard the rooster crow and then he saw the face of Jesus. 
And Jesus turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the words of the Lord. And he went out and wept bitterly. I don't know about you, but the last thing that Peter saw before they took the Lord and crucified Him was a look on Jesus' face. Speaking unto Peter without saying a word. That Peter, I told you. I told you you are going to deny me. I believe that grieves Peter. I believe that because I believe Peter realized he had failed the Lord. And you know how it is when you fail the Lord. If I fail man, that's okay. I'd rather not, but if I do, I do. But somehow or another, when I fail my Lord, I know what that feels like, Peter. And that was the last thing that Peter saw before they laid hands on Jesus and took Him out and scourged Him and crucified Him. And the Bible says John was there at the foot of the cross by Mary. And they watched the the Son of God as He expired. They saw His bloody frame. They saw the the wrath of torment that His body was in. It had been broken to the point that it was beyond repair. And, And so Jesus expired. He died on the cross. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And the Bible says three days after that, and this is nothing you don't know, but three days after that, Mary Magdalene got up early, you see. She loved the Lord. He was the only one that gave her life any kind of meaning. He had cast seven devils out of her, and she followed him. You might not realize this, but she followed him along with the disciples every where he went, she was there. As she was there by the disciples. She was there and she witnessed the miracles as she loved the Lord, no doubt about it. And so when he was crucified, and she thought, what can I do? And she thought, I'll go to the grave. I'll go and I'll weep there. Where else would you expect her to be? I know some of you that have lost loved ones. You like to go to the grave so you can be close to that body. And there's not a thing in the world wrong with that. You do what brings you comfort today. And I believe that's what Mary Magdalene did. But when she got there, she saw the stone rolled away. And she ran. And the Bible says she found Peter and John. And she said, I've been to the tomb. And the stones rolled away. And they took the body of our Lord. And I don't know where they put Him. And Peter and John ran into the tomb. And John outran Peter. But John stooped down at the tomb and he looked in. But the Bible says, now remember, remember the last time that Peter saw Jesus and what had transpired. Peter wanted to know. And so Peter not only went to the tomb, he walked inside and he began to look around and he saw the linen clothes and he saw the, the, the face how better that the linen napkin that had been wrapped about the head and face of our Lord laid in a place by itself. And He left. And John left. And Mary Magdalene stood by. And then Jesus appeared to her. And He began to speak to her. And she thought He was a gardener. And He said, Mary. And when He called her name like no man could call her name, she realized it was the Lord. And she said, My Lord and my God. And the Bible says in Mark's Gospel, He told Mary, You go tell the disciples and be sure and find Peter. You see, Jesus knew what Peter was grieving about. Jesus knew that Peter was upset with himself. Jesus knew that of all the disciples, Peter 
had to be taken at heart because it was Peter after boldly saying, I will die with you. It was Peter who denied him. But Jesus said, Mary, you make sure you find Peter and you tell him I'm going to meet him and I'll meet my apostles in Galilee. And the Bible said there came a day in the 20th chapter of John uh, that He showed up. Now the apostles were there in an upper room and the door shut. Uh, they were scared of the Pharisees. Uh, the shepherd had been smitten and now the sheep were scattered. And they were in an upper room with the doors shut and the doors locked. Uh, but even though they were shut and they were locked, the Bible says the Son of God, uh, Jesus came and stood in the midst. And he began to talk with them. And Thomas wasn't there. That was the first time that he showed himself to them after he rose from the dead. The Bible then says eight days later, Thomas being present with him, he showed up again. And he told Thomas, just reach hither. Thomas, I know you doubt. I know you doubt that I'm alive. But he said, just look. Look at the wounds in my hands. Thrust your hand into my side, Thomas. And be not faithless but believe. And the Bible said, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. That was the second time. And now I've just read to you the third time the disciples were fishing. And Jesus came and He stood on the shore. You see, He went back to where they started. And when He called His first disciples or apostles, they were fishing. He walked into James and John and Peter's boat and Andrew's and He said, thrust out from the land. And He told them to cast their nets on the right side. And the Bible said they did that. And they had toiled all the night and not caught a thing. But when they listened to the Lord, and the Bible says the boats began to sink because of the multitude of fishes. Simon Peter bowed down then. And he said, my Lord and my God, I'm a sinful man. You see, He called them at the Sea of Galilee. He called them there while they were fishing. And so He showed Himself to them again as they were fishing. The Bible said they were 200 cubits. That's about 100 yards out. And He called to them, Children, have you any meat? That same Jesus who was laid in the tomb, that same Jesus who was nailed on the cross, He came back in that same manner. He came back in that same thoughtful manner. And wanting to know if they had food. He was concerned about His people that they wanted to have food. And He said, have you caught anything? And I'll not rehash that. But anyway, John said, Peter, I believe that's the Lord. I don't think anybody on that boat was as anxious to see him as Peter was. See, Peter hadn't been alone with him since he denied him. The times that Jesus had showed up, it had been through a mother. All of His apostles had been gathered there. Peter hadn't spent any time alone with our Lord since the night He betrayed Him. So Peter, I think, wanted to get to Him by Himself. I think he wanted to get close to Him. And the Bible says that hundred yards that Peter threw on his fisher's coat and he jumped out. He didn't wait for them to row to land. He jumped out and he swam as fast as he could. And he got there to where Jesus was. The disciples then came and Jesus said, Come and dine. Boy, I'm thankful for that invitation. And that still goes out to mankind today. Come and dine. The Master called us. Come and dine. And the Bible said after they ate bread and fish upon the fire that now finally 
Peter was alone with Jesus. And part of him had to be scared. Part of him had to be thinking, I wonder if he still loves me after what I've done to him. You see, my friends, when God loves you, He never stops loving you. There's nothing that you could ever do that will keep Him from loving you. You want to understand that today? Even though Peter denied Him. But Peter had to have that. And I've been there in my life. Is my Lord satisfied with what I've done? And so Peter got alone with Jesus. And Jesus asked him a question. And that's the question I want to ask you. There is one question. He didn't say, Peter, do you believe in me now? He didn't say, Peter, do you believe that I'm resurrected? He didn't even say, Peter, are you sorry for your sin? Are you sorry for betraying me? He didn't ask him any of that. He asked him what the root of the thing was. He said, do you love me? Well, that's the question today. That's a question that every one of us need to examine ourselves. I'm not talking about loving His church. I'm not talking about loving His doctrines. I'm not talking about loving His precepts or His law or His word. I'm not talking about loving fellowship. I'm asking you today, do you love the Son of God? That's a question. For you can love all the other things and still have no love to the man. He wanted to understand what your attachment. There's a lot of professors out there today that they might love to walk, that they might love, but do they love Him? And that's what He wanted to know. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? And I think that of all the things, that probably took Peter aback. And he said, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, do you love me more than these? Peter had learned his lesson. He wasn't going to say, I love you more than these any longer. He had learned his lesson. He tried that a few days prior. And look where it got him. So all Peter said was, Lord, you know that I love you. Let me, let me just stop there. Now you that have questions about your salvation. Now you that wonder, have I really been born again? Now that question that I just asked will answer nearly every question you have. Do you love the Lord? And if you do, you can rest assured that He knows that you do. And that ought to settle it with you. He knows. He knows the pretenders. He knows those that, that are professors. And He knows those who have truly been bought with a price. You see, I believe when God saves us, and I can only speak for me, He began to put a love back for His darling Son. He put a love in my heart. I'd always, if you want to say, respected Jesus. I'd been taught from a young child how to respect Him, how to reverence Him, how to honor Him, how to fear Him. But nobody can teach you how to love Him except for God Himself. And so when He saves us, He puts a love to His Son in our hearts. You understand that? He said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. He asked him a second time, Peter, I want to know, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know that I do. And he said, feed my sheep. The third time he said, Peter, I want to know, do you love me? And it got to the point it grieved Peter. And he said, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. And the Bible then says Jesus began to talk to Peter about what death Peter should die to glorify God. 
Well, there was no doubt that Peter loved Jesus. And because even though he knew what death awaited him, he knew the crucifixion was going to be his death. When Jesus said, follow me, Peter did just that. He stood up at the day of Pentecost and began to preach. The primitive quartet sang a song, Peter, do you love me? Go and feed my sheep. From that time forward, Peter was a worker. He wasn't perfect, but he stood and boldly preached the Word of God. And he preached Jesus Christ and the crucifixion and the resurrection. I thought about people down through the time, down through the Scriptures that loved the Lord. I thought about Paul. I thought about Paul and the great love that he had toward Jesus. When it was revealed to Paul, Paul said the Holy Spirit witnesses and testifies in every city that I enter that if I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be bound. In the 20th chapter of the book of Acts, he preaches his last sermon to the men at Ephesus. They would never see his face again. But he said unto them, I'm not only scared, he said, but I'm ready to go to Jerusalem and not just to be bound there, but to die for Jesus. He was ready to die for Jesus. I'm telling you now, it's hard to find, forget dying for Him. It's hard to find men to want to live for Him. I want to live for my Lord. He's been good to me. He loved me the way nobody else could. He took my sins when no man could take my sins. And I thought about that man I read to you, Mephibosheth. He's quite a story. He was the son of Jonathan, the grandson of King Saul. King David loved Jonathan. He loved Jonathan. He said, he said it's above the love of women. There wasn't anything perverted there. They were, their souls, the Bible says, was knit together. And they loved one another. And Jonathan loved David so much. Jonathan said, I know that when my father Saul dies, the crown should pass to me. But he said, I know that's not God's will that I should be king. He said, but David, you're going to be the king. You're the man that God has chosen. And so Jonathan willingly gave up the crown so that David could be king because he knew it was ordained of God. But after some years, Saul sought to kill David. And God told Saul, the kingdom has been ripped from you and given to David. But for all of that, David still wouldn't lay anything against the charge of God's elect. David wouldn't do anything. Saul tried to kill him. David had many opportunities to kill Saul, but he wouldn't do it. He said, I'm not going to stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointing. But it came to pass in the process of time that there was a war in Israel, and King Saul died, and Jonathan died. And it came to pass after that that David went to Hebron, and he reigned there, and later they went up to Jerusalem. And there David was crowned king of Israel and Judah. And David asked the question. He said, is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I might show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? For they had made a covenant that they would watch over each other's homes and families. And David was mindful of that promise he made. And Jonathan, his best friend, was dead. And one came and said, there is yet one man. He's, a, he's the son of Jonathan. And he's a cripple. He's a cripple. And they said what happened was when Jonathan, when, when uh, Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle, news came to the palace. And, and the little boy's nurse, he was five years old. And the nurse picked him up and started to run because she knew that there would be enemies coming to the gate. And as she ran, he fell and she dropped him. 
And it crippled him in both of his legs. He couldn't walk. And David said, where is this man? Mephibosheth. And they said, he's in Lodibar. Now Lodibar was a place that whether you realize it or not, probably all of us have been at one time or another. It was a physical place, but the name Lodibar means a place of no pasture. It was a place where the outcast would go. It was a place, and the reason why I said all of us have been in Lodibar, there have been times we've all been lonely. There have been times we've all been jobless. There have been times we've all been an outcast. There have been times maybe addiction has forced you in the Lodibar. There have been times, especially in this day and age, you realize many of our children are growing up in Lodibar. Mama don't care for them. Daddy's drunk. Daddy don't care for them. And so they grow up in Lodibar, a place where there's no pasture. How sad is that? I've been there, friend. I've been in Lodibar. But one day or one night, the king sent forth his command to go get Mephibosheth. He's been there long enough. He said, I want to give him a place. I want to give him an inheritance. Oh, that's what God will do for you today, dear friend. He'll take you out of that squalor that you're in. And let me make this point. Maybe it ain't your fault you've been in Lodibar. Kids have grown up being, being molested by their parents and family, and they find themselves in Lodibar. It's not their fault. They did nothing to get there. But they're there. Maybe that's the way it is with some of you. I'm not able to see into your home lies. Maybe some of you are there. Maybe some of you are there by your own choices. And maybe others are there and there was nothing you could do to stop it. But the king, you see, he's not forgot about you. He still questions. And he sent men to Lodibar to get Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth came up lame and crippled. I'm telling you the only way, the only way that we can stand before God is on our knees. And that's what Mephibosheth had to do before he couldn't walk. And the Bible said he fell down on his face before King David. Mephibosheth thought, no doubt, David's the king now. And my grandfather tried to have him killed. And now he's asked for any of the house of Saul that he might get his retribution. I think Mephibosheth thought that David was going to kill him. Because Mephibosheth had a, had a parental right to the throne of the kingdom. And he thought within himself, no doubt, David's going to kill me because I'm the last of Saul's line. He had a son, rather. But he said, me and my family were the last. And he's going to kill me and take the crown. But he had no idea. You have no idea the good intentions that the King of Kings has for you today. But the King David called Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth fell down before him. And David said, Mephibosheth, he said, I've prepared for you a place. He told Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, he said, you take your family and your service and you're going to go and I'm granting this man all of the kingdom, all of the land that his father had, all the houses that Saul had, all the vineyards that Jonathan had, I'm giving to this man. And he said to Ziba, you and your family and your servants, there were 20 of them, you're going to kill the land and you're going to bring in the crop. You're going to divide the inheritance. But this man is going to forever eat at my table. Boy, I like that. I've eaten at the king's table, my friend. And he sets forth a bountiful feast 
There have been times I've been in Lodibar. I know what that's like. And I know what it's like to dine with the King of Kings. And when He told His disciples, come and dine. How rich that is. I've been at His table. He's got a banquet prepared. And the servings are grace and mercy and love untold. And he said, you're always going to have a place at my table. I like that, don't you? You that have been saved, you have a spot at the king's table. And Mephibosheth said, why would you be so gracious to such a dead dog as I? He said, I can't walk. I can't work. I can't make my living. I'll be a hindrance to you. Boy, I've asked that question of God before. It feels like I'm just a hindrance. I don't know how I'll be remembered I want to be remembered as one that loved the Lord. Regardless of what else men may say about me, fair or unfair, I want to be one known that loved the Lord. And so Mephibosheth dined with the king. But you see, and I'm going to have to hurry, you see there came a time where David's son raped his half-sister. David had a son named Hamnon that raped his daughter Tamar. And the Bible said uh, David's other son Absalom caught wind of that. And Absalom was absolutely furious. And Tamar came to his house and she told him. And he was furious with Amnon. And the Bible said he bided his time. For two years he waited and he waited and he plotted and he pondered how he might take his revenge on his brother for raping his sister. And after two years he went out to shear sheep. And he told David, let my brother Amnon come with me. And Absalom invited Amnon. Amnon went out. And as they were out two years later, he probably thought by that time he had got by with it. Your sin will find you out. It might take a while, but it will find you out. And so Absalom rose up and killed Amnon, killed his brother. And then he fled for his life. News got back to David. And David wept. There he was, one son dead, and another son fled. He was bereaved of two children in one day. And the Bible said David mourned day and night for Absalom. Wanted Absalom to come back, but he wouldn't invite him back. And Joab designed a plan, and I'm going to hurry. He designed a plan to force King David to see the error and leaving his son banished. And it said the king justifies means to bring his banished back home. And I'm glad of that. The king of kings has a way designed to bring the banished back home. And that way is the cross of his darling son. But the Bible said when, uh, when, uh, uh, when after a period of time and went by, David finally told Absalom to come home. Go and get my son. And Absalom came to Jerusalem and for two years he lived there but never saw the king's face. And he finally said to Joab, why did the king bring me here if he's not even going to look upon me? And Joab went and told the king and King David finally agreed, I'll meet with my son. But the Bible says that before that, uh, Absalom had fled. And, uh, and a matter of fact, I, I'm not going to get into this story, but Absalom had took the kingdom from David. Absalom had run the own, uh, his own father off. Absalom had turned the heart of Israel toward him. For when people would come to inquire of David, Absalom would meet him. And he was beautiful. Head and shoulders and fairer than any man in Israel. And the people were drawn to Absalom. 
And David fled his own kingdom. And as David fled, some went with him, but the most part stayed behind. One man that was absent was Mephibosheth. After all that David had did for Mephibosheth, David had to have wondered why. Why didn't he come with me? And the Bible said Mephibosheth's servant met David. And the servant lied. And the servant Zeba said Mephibosheth chose to stay behind. But that was a lie. Mephibosheth had told his servant, Go and saddle me an ass, for wherever the king goes, I want to go with him. But the servant lied. And the servant took the animal, and he rode on it himself, and he fled to David. So after a period of time when David came back to claim the throne of Israel, Absalom was now dead. Absalom was buried. And David came back to sit on his throne. And he met Mephibosheth. And he said, Mephibosheth, why didn't you go with me? And here's what I wanted to say. Mephibosheth said, I did. I did want to go. But my servant has slandered me. He's told you, the king, that I didn't love you. That I wanted no part of you. And he said, you're the king. You do whatever seems good in your sight. And David said this. David said, let's not talk about the matter anymore. You're forgiven. You and Ziba divide the land. You know what Mephibosheth said? I read it to you. But he said, King, let him have it. The Bible said Mephibosheth hadn't trimmed his toenails, hadn't dressed his feet, hadn't trimmed his beard, hadn't changed even his clothes since David was driven from Israel. Mephibosheth loved King David because King David had shown him kindness and brought him out of Lodibar. He said, King, let my servant, that lying rascal, you let him have all the land. He said, I'm just thankful that the king has come back home. I want you to take hold of that this morning. And I'm going to ask you, lovest thou me? Don't, don't make that come home to you just as the preacher's saying it. I want you to picture yourself like Peter was, all alone. And Jesus gently reaching out His hand and tapping you on the arm and saying you by name, do you love me? Not just the life that He's given you. Not just the... Not just the physical blessings, not just your inheritance, for he, he, he gives and takes from all kinds of people, good and bad. But he said, do you love me? Mephibosheth said, King, I've not changed my clothes, dressed my feet, trimmed my beard. I don't care about inheritance. I just wanted the king to come home. You understand that this morning. Whatever crowns await me, I don't deserve them. I'm not worthy of him. I don't want the reward. I just want the king seated back on the throne. And he's coming again. He's coming again. At the inheritance, you can divide amongst yourself. I don't want any of that. I just want my king. I want my king on his throne. Why? Because I love the king. He's been good to me. He took me out of Lodabar and gave me a place at his own table. You can have everything. Just let me have the king in his beauty. That's all Mephibosheth wanted. How's it with you today? Do you love the king? Not for his beauty and goodness. Not for him giving you things. Not for your good life. 
But do you love Him penniless and broke without a change of clothes with a beard unkept? Do you love Him because He brought you from where you was at? And you know where He's taking you to. I love Him today because He first loved me. Do you love your King? If you love your King, the Bible says if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It'll be a joy to read His Word. It'll be a joy to come out to service. It'll be a joy to walk out in the water. It'll be a joy when the man of God raises his hand and says, I baptize thee in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That'll be a joy of joy if you love your King. So do you love Him today? That's the question I want to leave you with. The same thing He asked Peter. Peter, do you love me? God bless you. Is that prayer?